G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, always a wonderful opportunity to check breaking news headlines as they're coming from Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross, as usual, has been scouring the headlines overnight. Back with us once again today. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, a significant day in Israel, the Jewish holiday Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Feast of Trumpets. It concludes a major celebration today. Yeah, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year in the traditional Jewish calendar, so they do all things Happy New Year crazy. Rosh Hashanah, literally head of the year in Hebrew, is the beginning of the Jewish New Year. It's the first of the high holidays, known as the Days of Awe, ending 10 days later with Yom Kippur. The two-day festival in Judaism marks the anniversary of human creation and the special relationship between humans and God, their creator. Rosh Hashanah begins with the sounding of the shofar, the ram's horn, proclaiming God as king of the universe, just as a trumpet would be sounded at a king's coronation. In fact, Rosh Hashanah is described in the Torah as Yom Teruah, a day of sounding the shofar. And I can tell you, they, I love being in Jerusalem during Rosh Hashanah. Well, before we move on from this, Ron, uh, just paint us a little picture of what happens, because is this like dancing in the streets celebration? How does it look? Well, uh, they, they, they're believing for a sweet new year. So the big deal is uh, donuts and dipping apples in honey uh, and expecting a sweet new year. Ten days of repentance ends with Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and there are many traditions entered into during Rosh Hashanah. Every evening, candles are lit. Candles are a symbol of remembrance. Spicy, sharp or sour foods are avoided in favour of sweet delicacies representing wishes for a sweet and pleasant year, not a bitter year. Many of my friends in Israel are hoping and praying the sound of the shofar this year will be a wake-up call for the political divide that exists in Israel right now. Well, it sounds like a great tradition to have a reset button each year, which puts everybody in the right frame of mind for good things to happen in the year ahead. And as you say, there are challenges that they are facing in Israel because I'm sure they'd like a sweet year ahead politically, but there's a bit of a stalemate after these recent replay Israeli elections. What are the headlines saying about those? Well, let me tell you, I think there'll be a three-peat. Negotiations between representatives from the Likud party and its rival, Blue and White, over the possibility of forming a unity government ended early Sunday, with both sides blaming the other for a lack of progress and apparent breakdown in the talks. Netanyahu is now expected to tell President Rivlin that he's unable to form a majority government 
he will make a last effort to realise that possibility of forming a government at this stage before returning his mandate to the president. Uh, as I said, I'm anticipating a three-peat. Okay. Hey, Ron, we often have done some stories about what's happening with the growth of the Christian church in the nation of Iran. And now there's a new documentary that's highlighting Iran and the fastest growing church in the world. What are the headlines saying about this one? It's interesting because that documentary highlights that church as having no buildings uh, and is mostly led by women. People in Iran, a Muslim-majority nation, are fleeing Islam in droves as believers bow their knee to Jesus and become aggressively pro-Israel, according to the documentary Sheep Among the Wolves, Volume 2. What if I told you Islam is dead, one unidentified Iranian church leader says in the film, which was directed by Dalton Thomas and produced by Frontier Alliance, International Studios. What if I told you the mosques are empty inside Iran, he said. What if I told you no one follows Islam inside of Iran? Would you believe me? This is exactly what's happening inside of Iran. God is moving powerfully. The pastor said, what if I told you the best evangelist for Jesus is the Ayatollah Khomeini? The Ayatollahs brought the true face of Islam to light and people have discovered the lie. After 40 years under Islamic law, a utopia according to them, they've had the worst devastation in the 5,000-year history of Iran. More Iranians have come to faith in Jesus in the last 20 years than the 1,300 years since Islam swept through Persia combined. He calls the whole thing the Iranian awakening. Well, that is an amazing story, and it sounds like history evolving in the nation of Iran. Uh, Who knows what that will lead to? No doubt we'll be monitoring that as the months go by. Hey, Ron, let's talk about another headline. Back to Israel and the surrounding territories there. Christians are fleeing Gaza to escape persecution. What's happening there? Hamas's rise to power in the Gaza Strip, Christians living in the sector have become the scapegoats and a target for harm from both Hamas and extremist Salafis. Due to their predicament, most of them fled. Out of a community of 4,200 people 12 years ago, there are now just a few hundred left. Until recently, Kamal Tarizi was there too, but managed to escape four months ago. The Hamas people took over my house and turned it into a war room, he said. I was put in a number of prisons, and the Hamas prison is nothing but beating and psychological torture. The attacks on Christians in Gaza had become routine, and it does not stop even in times of war. We Christians are not bystanders in Palestine. We've been in Palestine for 2,000 years. We're not guests. By harassing and hurting the Christian public and Christian institutions, churches and associations. I can't go back to Gaza. Returning would be a death sentence. According to reports, over 80% of Christians have fled Gaza under Hamas rule. Things are better under the Palestinian Authority, but not that much. 
Bethlehem used to be 70% Christian. It's now less than 15%. Well, disturbing developments there. Ron, let's top off our conversation today with what I think is a really good story. And over the past year or two, there's a number of segments that I've been able to air about what was coming a statue honouring Aboriginal Australian soldiers. And now Israel is honouring World War I Australian Aboriginal fighters with a statue labelled the Aborigine and his horse. Uh, this is pretty exciting, isn't it? I think this is fantastic. This statue was dedicated this week in Samash, 101 years after the fateful battle in honour of the Aborigine soldiers who fought and fell in World War I. The short and quick battle that took place 101 years ago this week at Samash, near Israel's Sea of Galilee, was unusual. Under the cover of darkness, led only by the light of the moon, the Australian cavalry drew its swords and galloped towards the local train station, a strategic point in those days. The German enemy, allied with the Ottoman Empire, had barricaded itself in the Stone Station building. But the Australian cavalry fighting for the British crown was undeterred. They surged forward aloft on their steeds and, in keeping with the theory of war, fought face-to-face with bayonet and sword. Hundreds were captured. The Australians paid a price. Fourteen deaths, dozens of injuries and half their horses would never gallop again. The battle made headlines again. Jack Pollard, grandson of one of the fighters, came to Samash to inaugurate a statue commemorating his grandfather. As you said, it's the Aborigine and his horse, dedicated to all the Aborigine soldiers who fell during World War I. The sculpture depicts Pollard holding a Bible, and bending over the grave of his brother-in-arms. The horse in the rear also bows his head towards the fresh grave. That statue was designed by an Australian artist and manufactured using a 3D printer. Thus, a 101-year-old event was commemorated using the latest technology. I just find it awesome. It is awesome. I think it's a day of pride for every Australian, but especially for Aboriginal Australians as we reflect on World War I and those Aboriginal fighters uh, who were fighting on the soil in Israel and a statue that is labelled the Aborigine and his horse. Uh, Great stories once again today, Ron. Thank you so much for scouring the headlines, for bringing us this latest breaking news out of Israel. Appreciate your update as always. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.